0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Upcast, your weekly feel-good podcast, For this week we talk about a brand new album that dropped, a brand new show for everybody to watch, and a recent discovery of culinary cuisines. That's right, this week we talk about the brand new Arion album that dropped this past Friday, Transitus. We talk about the new Animal Kingdom show on Disney+, and a couple of things on Netflix that I'm very excited to see. Coming up pretty soon, we talk about the joy of baking and healthy eating, as well as two new classic fairy tale stories, getting us excited for the Halloween times that are right around the corner. These are these are specifically fall stories that are supposed to be read before um, Halloween, so that is why I have chosen them. Yes. Anyway, um, I'm doing pretty well. I'm fucking exhausted. Uh, this past week has been lengthy in the extreme. I remember like last Monday, it was, um, I felt like it was like already Thursday. It was just such a fucking long week. Um, this week, uh, ahead is going to be very busy and I'm hoping that, um, it will kind of just jog on by, uh, as a result. So that is, that is where I'm at. I'm personally quite exhausted. I'm probably going to be in bed in here in a little bit before like eight o'clock, which is not the worst thing. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's just you're just tired and you want some sleeps. So, yeah. But I'm hoping you're all doing well and let's get into this podcast. There's one thing that is a, is a big like point of contradiction in my eating healthy and working out lifestyle. It is that I love to bake things, but I hate having, like... Oh, I just wanted one brownie. Now I've got, like, a fucking tray of brownies. Looks like I gotta eat all these brown... Like, I hate that, because it's like, well, I just... I want the I want the joy of... I, like, my arm slipped off. My arm right there. I want the joy of baking without, the A, the guilt of having to consume the baked goods and not having so much of the baked good. Uh, So I found this, um... Single serving there's a couple of these actually They are like these single serving basically microwave cup things that you can get And you basically just add water and you stick it in the microwave for like 60 seconds and out comes a microwave cake um And when when you don't want an entire tray of brownies, it's not a bad option but It was Awful it wasn't a good brownie so now I'm like, well damn it. I thought I had discovered like the sneaky solution of getting well, actually, you know what? It was the it was the worst of all scenarios because it what? wasn't Jesus. It wasn't baking. It was microwaving. So there's there was no joy in the act of creating it. And it didn't taste very good. So it was like it failed on both accounts. Across the board, it, it failed to to deliver. It did have like 10 grams of protein. In that one microwave brownie sponge cake, so you know there's like some some nutrition involved so that's exciting but it uh, it wasn't wasn't nearly good enough to justify the calories of which I'm not sure how many there were I want to say like 200 you know um, which is a lot for for like a single cup of food um, but yeah it was an experiment that I tried today and um, it did not go well this was a mint chocolate brownie single-serving thing I've got two others Um, I think one's like a chocolate pumpkin muffin thing and then uh, an apple cinnamon muffin thing so maybe those will be better maybe a muffin will be a it does have more of a muffiny texture than a brownie texture so it might be It might swing more in that direction it remains to be seen but I was like this is a fun solution and it wasn't and it's not and now I'm sad uh, that I ate that. And anyway, I'm going to go take a bubble bath. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. So, October is next week, and I know I'm going to be sinking ankle-deep into horror short stories and Edgar Allan Poe and Lovecraft and all sorts of stuff, but uh, there's there's a there's a couple of stories on the site that I'm using to to summon these... Children' fairy tales um, that are classified as not exactly Halloween stories, but great fall read-alouds. So I'm gonna read a couple of those uh, in preparation for the for the spookness of uh, of October. So the first story here is the Little Bat Who Wouldn't Go to Bed by Clara Dillingham Pearson. This little bat just fucking just fucking wouldn't go to bed. Stupid bat. "'Come,' said Mama Bat, flying toward her home in the cave. "'It is time that you children went to bed. "'The eastern sky is growing bright, "'and I can see the fleecy clouds blush rosy red "'as the sun looks at them.' "'The little bats flitted along after her, "'and Papa Bat came up behind them. "'They had been flying through the starlit forests all night, "'chasing the many small insects that come out "'after the sun has gone down, "'and passing in and out of the tangled branches "'without ever touching one. "'Indeed Mama Bat would have been ashamed if a children of hers flew against anything in the dark. There might be some excuse for such a mistake in the daytime, for bats' eyes don't see very well, but in the night time. She would have scolded them, and they would have deserved it, for the bats have the most wonderful way of feeling things before they touch them. And there are no other people in the forest who can do that. There are no other people who can tell by the feeling of the air when something is near, and the bats made much fun of their friend the screech owl once when he flew against a tree and fell to the ground because bats are shits, apparently. And now night was over and their mother had called them to go home. One little bat hung back with a very cross look on his face, and twice his father had to tell him to fly faster. He was thinking how he would like to see the forest in the daytime. He had never seen the sunrise, and he always wanted to do that. He had never seen any of the day birds or the animals that awaken in the morning. He thought it was pretty mean to make poor little bats go to bed the minute the stars begin to fade. He didn't believe what his mother and father said, They wouldn't have a good time if he did stay up. He had coaxed and coaxed and teased and teased, but it hadn't made a bit of difference. Every morning he had to fold his wings and go to sleep in a dark crack in the rock cave, hanging head downward close to the rest of his family. And their father said that there never was a better place to sleep than in the same crack, and it certainly was easy to catch on with the hooks at the lower ends of their wings when they hung themselves up for the day. But now he just wouldn't go to bed, so there! It's your turn next, said Mama Bat to him when the rest of the children hung themselves up. I'm not going to bed, the little bat answered. Not going to bed, said his father. Are you crazy? No, said the little bat. I'm not. I don't believe this child is well, said Mama Bat. He's never acted like this before. I'm afraid he over to eaten. And she looked very anxious. I am well and I haven't eaten too much, said the little bat. I think you might let a fellow have some fun once in a while. Never seen the sun in my life. There's a whole lot of birds and animals in the forest I've only heard about. Papa and Mama Bat looked at each other without speaking. I won't go to bed, said the little bat. Very well, said his father. Shall not make you? Try at once and let us go to sleep. After that, um, after he had gone, Mama Bat said, Suppose you did right to let him go, but it seems too bad that children have to find out for themselves the trouble that comes from disobedience. The little bat flew away, feeling very brave. He guessed he knew how to take care of himself even in the daylight. He felt sorry for his brothers who were in the cave, but he made up his mind that he would tell them all about it the next night. The eastern sky grew brighter and brighter. and hurt his eyes to look at it, and he blinked and turned away. Then the songbirds awakened and began to sing. It was very interesting, but he thought they sang too loudly. And the forest at night is such a quiet place. He didn't see the sense of shouting, so even when the sun was coming up, the night birds never made such a fuss over the moon, and you guess the moon was as good as the sun. Somebody was scampering over the grass, kicking up his heels as he ran. Must be a rabbit, thought the little bat. The screech owl told me the rabbit's running in that way. I wish I could see uh, him more plainly. I don't know what's the matter with my eyes. Just then a sunbeam came slanting through the forest and fell on his furry coat as he clung to the branch. Ow! He cried. Ow! Warm it is! I don't like it! The moonbeams don't feel so! I must fly into a shady quarter! He started to fly. Just what was the matter? He never knew. It may have been because he couldn't see well. Uh, It may have been because he was getting very tired. It may have been the strangeness of it all that was beginning to frighten him. But at all events, he went down, 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 until he found himself pitching and tumbling around in the grass. A crow had seen him uh, fall and cried loudly, Come, come, come! To his friends. The rabbits! who were featuring nearby, came scampering along, making great leaps in their haste to see what was the matter. The goldfinches, the robins, the orioles, the woodpeckers, and many other birds came fluttering up. Those fucking lists. I swear to God, it's 20,000 leagues all over again. I'm going to fucking hurt something. Mm. Even a blue jay sat on a branch above the bat and J J uh, to add to the excitement. And last of all, the groundhog appeared, coming slowly and with dignity, as a person who can remember his grandfather should do. Well, he's not a person, he's a groundhog. No, that's fine. What's all this commotion? He asked. he might have said, What is the matter? And then they would have understood him at once, but he was too haughty for that. He thought he had to use big words. I guess commotion is a big word. Sure. Uh, Once in a while, to show that he could. If people didn't understand him, he was willing to explain what they meant. That reminds me, I was was in a journalism class in college, and one of the tenets of journalism, at least that I was taught, was that you want to write for the lowest common denominator. You want to write it so anybody who picks up your newspaper can understand what the story is about. And I can't remember the word that I had used, um, but I had used a word, and my article got shared with the class, and that word got singled out as a word that not, not everyone would know. And I took great offense to that, because for me, it was it was like a word like commotion, you know? Um, which, in my head, is a common enough word that anybody should know what it is, especially in college, but... Whatever, you know, I just, I think I called him out and be like, you don't know what that word means? The fuck? No, I don't, I don't think I swear at him, but I definitely called him out because I was just like, it's, it means, you know, a, a kerfuffle, it means a, a scrap, it means a fight, technically. So, well, it doesn't mean a fight, it could just mean a, a fucking conglomeration of noises. Might have been conglomeration, I can't, I could probably find the article in question if I was so inclined, but I'm not, so... Who's found such a queer bird, sir, said the little, big, uh, the biggest little rabbit, without waiting to find out what a commotion was. Just see him tumbling around. Bird, that's no bird, said the woodpecker. Look at his ears and his nose. He even hasn't, um, he have not hasn't even a bill. Well, he flies, said the biggest little rabbit, because I saw him, so he must be a bird. Hmm, <laughs> said the chipmunk. So does my cousin, the flying squirrel, in a way, yet he has no more bird than I am. And this fellow hasn't a his skin, cried an oriole. I don't say that my son is right said Papa Rabbit, but this creature has wings. And he gave the bat a poke that made him flutter wildly for a minute. Yeah, but what kind of wings? Asked the goldfinch. A pair of skinny things that grow on his legs and have hooks on both ends. He must be a very stupid fellow and after all a said the groundhog. Doesn't talk or walk or eat or even fly well. Must come from a very common family. For my part, I'm not interested in persons of that kind. And he walked away with his nose in the air. Now the other forest people who would have liked to watch the bat longer, but after the groundhog had gone off in this way, they all thought it would show too much curiosity if they stayed. So one after another they went away and left the little bat all alone. He fluttered around until he reached the branch where the blue jay had been and then he hung himself up to wait until night. Oh dear, he said, I how long a day is. I'm hot and blind and sleepy and if any more of the forest people come and talk about me, I don't know what I shall do. uh, They don't think me good looking because my wings grow to my legs. I only wish I could see what they look like. I believe they're all just as homely. And then, just because he was a very tired little bat and cross, as people always are when they have done wrong, he began to blame somebody else for all of his trouble. Mother and father cared about uh, cared very much about me. He said they never would have let me stay up all day. Guess if I were a big bat, I'd have a little bats of my own. I'd take better care of them. But that always but that is always the way. And when long afterward he was a big bat with little bats of his own, he was a much wiser person. And that's the end of that story. You guys, you guys spooked out of your minds yet? You ready for some fucking spooky stories? Oh shit, you know they're coming. You know they're coming. My. Not my all-time favorite band, but one of my all-time favorite bands um, has just come out with a brand new album. This is Arian Transitus. And Transitus is the uh, the period between uh, life and death, according to the ancient Greeks. Um, It kind of is used in this album as a jumping-off point to like heaven or hell depending on how you did in the in the mortal world you basically get judged and then you move on so it is a kind of tragic love story album where uh, 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 in the late 1800s a very affluent family has a, a lot of servants uh, one of the children of the affluent family falls in love with one of the servants that child dies um, goes to transitus Uh, the servant gets blamed for the child's death, uh, is eventually kind of proven innocent by the power of the spirits. And then, uh, she dies and they get reunited in the afterlife. That's the plot of the, of the album. And with, with previous Arion albums, figuring out the plot of the album is usually a bit of a challenge. Like... In electric castle the the narration is fairly obtuse and it doesn't really lend itself easily to figuring out what the hell actually happening in the album and then when they did the live version of into the electric castle with uh john delancey as the narrator who rewrote and wrote his own narration he really clarified a lot of the album and uh it provided a really good structure for the songs and the the beauty of his narration John Delancey's narration was that while he was able to help guide the story along he wasn't explicitly stating what the story was like he didn't explain the song you were about to hear you know he kind of set the stage for the song and then the song played and filled in the rest of the story and that's beautiful narration that's 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 awesome in in music the source Uh, Similarly, it it takes a couple of listens in order to figure out, like, who's what character and and what they represent and where the story goes. Um, The theory of everything is probably one of the clearest in terms of story because it's one of the more simple albums. Uh, Arianne has this habit of getting into very existential topics, which is one of the best things about it, like man versus machine, the power of AI, immortality, uh, the value of life, those sorts of things. Um, uh, Fucking... Zero one zero zero one one zero one, um, or uh, Y, I believe is that uh, is is that's binary for the letter Y, is uh is also an album that doesn't really have a, a it has a story it has a, a through thought, but if you don't know like the lore of Arion and the other albums then you're just up shit's creek and figuring that one out. I say all of this because Transitus has the clearest story of. Any Arian album upon like first listen, you know what I mean. Like other albums, you know, it might take a couple of of tries in order for you to really appreciate the the story. Uh, But with Transitus, um, not only is it one of the simplest stories they've ever told, but it also follows uh, pretty well established story patterns that I've seen in other pieces of media. So I was able to basically figure out exactly where it was going to go. I love Tom Baker as much as anybody. He was, he was a Doctor Who. He's great. Tom Baker's narration cuts the legs out of every single song he fucking narrates. Because he tells you exactly what the fucking song is about. So when the singing comes in, it feels like they're just repeating what Tom said. And it it like takes you way out of it. Especially because the lyrics are fairly simplistic in this album. And the narration isn't needed in order to set it up. It isn't. You don't need the narration in order to appreciate the song. I would love a version of this album with the narration taken out of it. A hundred percent. I think the album would be a lot better if it didn't have the narration. I'm okay with like the introductory track, setting it up and explaining where you are. Like it's the year is 1884, that track is fine. Get rid of every other bit of narration. It it really does kind of suck the the whole thing out of it. And um, I ordered the earbook, which is this giant um book basically that uh, has like the lyrics and like uh um behind the scene notes and stuff like that. And and one of the discs in there is the instrumental versions of all these songs. So if I if I was compelled, I could make a version of this album with the narration taken out of it. I could do that. That is a, that is something I am capable of doing. I'm not sure I'm going to, because there's a lot of narration, um, but I could do that. Now, none of the songs are particularly long. Not that that's a bad thing, but Arian does have uh, a history of having, like, you know, 8 to 13-minute songs that are amazing compositions, and I feel like we we kind of lost out on that. Now, you could argue that Fatum Horrificum which is the first six tracks on the album, it was one song. But if you do that, that's still only like an eight-minute song. So it's, it's on the shorter end. And if it is oh, one song, it's not a great song. So, yeah. It's it's kind of disappointing, to be perfectly honest. And here's the thing. I'm a huge Arianon fan. I flew to Amsterdam to watch Into the Electro Castle performed live, my favorite album of theirs their bar is so fucking high that when it falls short it it you know it's noticeable and to me transitus doesn't quite match the grandeur and the epicness and the quality that previous albums have i think 2017's the source is an infinitely better album i think it's more interesting I think the subject matter is 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 better. I think the music is stronger. I think the variety of songs is better. It's, I don't know, I just, I enjoy that album more. I would listen to The Source more than I would listen to Transitus. That being said, Transitus is still one of the best albums to come out this year because even when Arianne misses the mark a little bit compared to itself, compared to, like, every other band out there, this shit's unbelievable. The the creativity, the lyric, the, the vocal performances, the instrumentation... The the overall polish and like perfection of this album is second to none. Arian makes good fucking music. Incredible fucking music. Music that other bands can't even hope to aspire to achieve. Sorts of music. And it is unfortunate that I'm so enamored with the band that I look at this album and I go, eh, it's alright. I mean, we're talking like a solid B, you know. It's good. But compared to his other stuff, it's not quite there. That being said, I do want to give special notice to what I believe is the best song on the album. Not only because it has minimal narration, but because Mike Mills has one of the best voices in music today. um, And that's Dumb Piece of Rock, which is the 12th song on the album. If you're going to listen to any one song, I'd listen to that one. Because the narration kind of the narration adds to the song rather than taking away from it which is nice and the uh v- harmonization that mike does because that's all him like mike records his his vocals remotely he's an australian vocalist and um Arjen is a, a dutch uh performer so the album was made in the netherlands but you know in order for him to get his vocal tracks out he he sends them from his home studio and he does all of these like multi-layered harmonies um and he did it in the source uh when he played um the frame he played he played like the the oh he played um what was he um he is zero one was his name um he was the robot anyway uh there's a there's a moment in um uh when the world breaks down the first track in the uh in the album where he comes in and he's just singing, he's singing binary, he's singing zero and one, but that moment is so fucking beautiful, it's an incredible, like, construction of vocal harmonies, it's unreal, so this dude knows what the fuck he's doing when it comes to music, and it's impressive as hell, and it blows me away every single time, and it makes me sad, that he got relegated to a side character for one song on this album. We get to hear his amazing vocals for one song. That being said, every singer on this album blew it out of the water. That's the thing, like Tommy Kervick, I mean, what the fuck? You can't say a bad thing about that dude. Singer Camelot and 7th Wonder, he's been on a bunch of Arian albums. I believe this is his third appearance same with mike actually i believe this is their third appearance on arian albums tommy and mike have performed live with arian they're two of the best vocalists out there un unmatched really it's it's insane cammy gilbert a new voice to me um absolutely crushed it i felt like her voice really matched the 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 feel of uh of arian's music uh you had oh god who else do we got We've got Dee Snyder showed up from um, Twisted Sister. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Simone Simon, Simmons from uh, Epica was there. Uh, Marcella uh, Bovio, who has been on a bunch of Arian albums. She is absolutely phenomenal. Carolyn Westendorp uh, is fantastic as well. Amanda Somerville is amazing as well. Uh, Johan James was fucking killing it. It's Just so, so much good especially uh, Johan, because that... He comes in right at the very end, but those are some strong songs right there at the end. Um, uh, Lavina's Confession and Inferno are, are those two that uh, that I also thought were very good. Um, outside of that... Like, I'm looking at the, like the song list, seeing if there are any other songs like of note that I would recommend. Dumb Piece of Rock is probably the best song on the album, and that's just because Michael, Michael Mills, Mike Mills, does fucking annihilates it with with his vocal powers so overall i haven't like if i if i quickly look at like albums that have come out this year um i'm pretty sure this is my favorite album to drop this year and that is that is the case yes yeah um this is this is the best album to drop this year um so far but let's be honest um it's hard to be it's hard to be out an arian year like when when the source came out in 2017, that was my album of the year. I think, based on my memories, we're um, looking back on it it's the only album I remember from that year. And there's a pretty decent chance that despite my my like kind of lukewarm reception to this album, I'm still gonna listen to it like 30 or 40 times because it's an Arion album, and because I want I want to absorb it. I don't want to really kind of contain the album. Within my within my memory banks, I can sing along to like every area on album, and I refuse to let there be an album that I like kind of skipped, you know. So, yes, I will listen to it, and of course, I pre-ordered it. I have the earbook on the way, um, and it comes with a free comic book. It comes with a free like 26 page comic that details the entire album just in paper form. So not only do you have the narration that holds your hands through the entire album, not only do you have fairly simplistic lyrics that explain exactly what the fuck's happening in the song, you also get a free comic book that shows you and explicitly tells you exactly what the album is about, which is not a bad thing, but it's, you know, it's meh, meh. Um, I will also give uh, uh, a shout out to the album's cyclical nature in that the last couple of sounds on the last song mimic the first couple of sounds on the first song, which means you can loop this album forever and never really notice when it stops and starts, which is which is nice. Um, I, I enjoy albums like that. The Wall did that. Um, uh, like, the first sounds you hear on the album are, um, like, Where We Came In, and then the last um, sounds on the album are Is This Where we came in, and it like loops, it's a sentence that carries the album from beginning to end over and over again, so, that's always fun, um, yeah, no, it's, (sighs) I mean, I gave it a B, so technically, that'd be like an 8 out of 10, um, for this album, which is, uh, which kind of seems high to me, but it is good, just with like an asterisk attached to it, and it's got it's got some things that i'm not super thrilled with but at the end of the day yeah i i do honestly believe that if we if we took the narration out of the songs it would be way better that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at um but yeah you can check it out now on spotify apple music all that all that jazz um but i would if you're gonna listen to Arion for the first time i would start with into the electric castle because, in my opinion, that is um, that is their uh their their finest work, um. And if you can try to find the the original cut of the album, there was a there was a twenty anniversary like re edit of the album, which isn't bad. Um, but I, I really want y'all to get that that original first experience. Uh, so yeah, nineteen ninety eight into the electric castle, you can you can find it. Um, it's it's an incredible it's an incredible album. So, oh, I forgot about the human equation. That is a fantastic album as well. Um, that one is particularly a lot of fun. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Spooky story to get you guys in the mood for Halloween number two. Oh, this one's actually like this one's. This one's got some length to it. This one's got some. Uh, this one's got some meat on its bones. It's called the Pumpkin Glory by William Dean Howells. Um, Apparently this was uh, part of a collection called Christmas Every Day and Other Stories Told to Children, released in 1892. And it shows an image of a pumpkin with a face and arms and legs, which in and of itself is pretty terrifying. Um, But then again, I don't do spooky stuff very well, so I'm I'm terrified by the fucking most tame of subjects. Like it's fucking four o'clock in the afternoon and it's sunny outside. The papa had told the story so often that the children knew exactly what to expect the moment he began. They all knew it as well as he knew it himself, and they could keep him from making mistakes or forgetting. Sometimes he would go wrong on purpose or pretend to forget. And then they had the perfect right to pound him till he quit it. And he usually quit it pretty soon. Children liked it because it was very exciting, and at the same time it had no moral. So that when it was all over, they could feel that they had not been excited just for the moral. The first time the little girl heard it, she began to cry when it came to the worst part, but the boy heard it so much that by the time he did not mind it in the least and just laughed. The story wasn't season any time between Thanksgiving and New Year's, but Papa usually began to tell it in the early part of October. It was like the fucking perfect time when the farmers were getting their pumpkins and the children were asking when they were going to have any squash pies, and the boy had made his first jack-o'-lantern. Well, Papa said it. Uh, the Papa said Once there were two little pumpkin seeds, and one was a good little pumpkin seed, and the other was a bad, very proud, and vain, and ambitious. The papa told them what ambitious was, and so the children did not stop him when he came to that word, but sometimes he would stop of his own accord, and then, uh, if they could not tell what it meant, he would pretend that he was not going on, but he always did go on. Well, the farmer took both the seeds out to plant them in the home patch, because they were very extra kinds of seeds. He was not going to risk them in the cornfield among the corn. So before he put them in the ground, he asked each one of them what he wanted to uh, be when he came up. And the good little pumpkin seed said he wanted to come up as a pumpkin. And he made it to a pie to be eaten at Thanksgiving dinner. And the bad little pumpkin seed said he wanted to come up as a morning glory. Morning glory, said the farmer. But I guess you'll come up a pumpkin glory, first thing you know. And then he he hawed and told... His son, who was helping him to plant the garden, to keep watch of that particular hill of pumpkins, to see whether that little seed came up a morning glory or not. And the boy stuck a stick in the hill so he could tell it. But one night the cow got in, and the farmer was so mad having to get about one o'clock in the morning to drive the cow out that he pulled up the stick without noticing and whacked over the back with it, so they lost the place. But the two little pumpkin seeds, they knew where they were well enough. And they just lay low and let the rain and sun soak and swell them up, and then began to push. And by the by, they got their heads out of the ground with their shells down over their eyes like caps. And soon, and as soon as they could shake them off, look round. The bad little pumpkin vine said to his brother, "Well, what? Are, um, I should probably come up with." So it's like the dad's reading the whole story, so that's why I'm using his voice for everything. But I'm gonna say the dad is as good with voices as I am. So. Well, what are you going to do now? The good little pumpkin vine said. I'm going to stay here and grow and grow and pull out all the blossoms I can. Let them all drop off but one and then grow that into the biggest and fattest and sweetest pumpkin that ever was for Thanksgiving pie. Chapter 2, apparently. The two little pumpkin seeds. I told you the story had meat on its buds. Well, that's what I'm going to do, said the bright little pumpkin vine. All but the pies. And I'm not gonna stay here to do it. I'm going over that fence over there, where the morning glories were last summer. And I'm gonna show them what a pumpkin glory is like. I'm just gonna cover myself in blossoms, and blossoms that won't shut up either when the sun comes out. But I'll stay open, as if they hadn't anything to be ashamed of. And that won't drop off the first day either. I've noticed those morning glories all last summer, when I was nothing but one of the blossoms myself. I just made up my mind that as soon as ever I got to be a vine, I would show them a thing or two. Maybe I can't be a morning glory, but I can be a pumpkin glory. And I guess that's glory enough. It made the cold chills right over the good little vine to hear its brother talk like that. And it begged him not to do it, and he began to cry. What's that? The papa stopped short, the boy stopped whispering into his sister's ear, and she answered, He said he bet it was a girl! Tears stood out in her eyes, and the boy says, Well, anyway, it was like a girl. Very well, sir, the papa said. And supposing it was, which is better? To stay quietly at home and do your duty and grow up? To be eaten in a pie at Thanksgiving? Or go gadding all over the garden, climbing fences and everything? The good little pumpkin vine was perfectly right, and the bad little pumpkin would have been saved a good deal if it had minded its little sister. The farmer was pretty busy that summer, and after the first two or three hoeings, nice. To how to was the verb to hoe your farm. Hoeing. What's the realm in Pokemon Gold called? Hoen. Anyway, he had to leave the two pumpkin vines to the boy that helped him plant the seeds, and the boy had to go fishing so much, and then in swimming, he perfectly neglected them and let them run wild if they wanted to. And if the good little pumpkin vine had not been the best little pumpkin vine that ever was, it would have run wild. But it just stayed where it was, and it thickened up and covered itself in blossoms, till it was like one mass of gold. It was very fond of all its blossoms. Could hardly bear to think of losing any of them. But he knew they couldn't ever um they but it, it knew they couldn't every one grow up to be a very large pumpkin. And so it let them gradually drop off till it only had one left. And then it just gave all its attention to that one and did everything it could to make it grow into the kind of pumpkin it said it would. All this time, the Battle of the Pumpkin vine was carrying out its plans for being a pumpkin glory. In the first place, it found that if it had expected to get through by fall, it couldn't fool much putting out a lot of blossoms and waiting for them to drop off, before it began to devote itself to business. The fence was a good piece off, and had to reach the fence in the first place, where there wouldn't be any fun in being a pumpkin glory down where nobody can see you or anything. So the bad little pumpkin vine began to pull and stretch towards the fence. Sometimes I thought it would surely snap it too. It pulled and stretched so hard. But besides the pulling and stretching, it had to go hard and go round. Because if it had been seen, it wouldn't have been allowed to go to the fence. It was a good thing there were so many weeds and that the boy were too lazy to pull up. The bad little pumpkin vine could hide among them. But then they were a good deal of a hindrance too because they were so thick it could hardly get through them. It had to pass some rows of peas that were perfectly awful. They tied themselves to it and tried to keep it back. There was one hill of cumbers, cucumbers that acted ridiculously. They said it was a cucumber vine running away from home, and they would have kept it from going any further if it hadn't tugged with all of its might and main and got away one night when the cucumbers were sleeping. It was pretty strong, anyway. When it got to the fence at last, it thought it was going to die. It had pulled all. It had pulled. It was all pulled out so thin that it wasn't any thicker than a piece of twine in some places, and its leaves just hung in tatters. It had had time to put out more than one blossom. There was such a poor sickly thing that could hardly hang on. The question was, how can a pumpkin vine climb a fence anyways? Its knees and elbows were all worn uh, to strings getting there, or that's what the pumpkin thought, till it wound one of those tendrils round a splinter of the fence without thinking and happened to pull, and it was perfectly surprised to find that it seemed to lift itself up off the ground a little. It said to itself, let's try a few more. Then it twisted some more tendrils round and round some more splinters, and this time it fairly lifted itself off the ground said, I see. As if I'm somehow expected to do some kind of all, something of the kind all along. Ah, I'm going to have to abandon the dad voice. It's kind of killing me. Blah. I'm abandoning the dad voice. I'm, I'm now presuming my own voice. Do do, 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 But I had to be pretty careful getting up the fence not to knock off its blossom. Before that would have been the end of it. And when it did get up among the morning glories, it had almost killed the poor thing, keeping it open night and day and showing it off to the hottest sun, not giving it a bit of shade, but just holding it out where it could be seen the whole time. It wasn't very much of a blossom compared to that with the blossoms of the good little pumpkin vine, but it's bigger than any of the morning glories, and that with some satisfaction. And the bad little pumpkin vine was as proud as if it had, as if it was the largest blossom in the world. Um. Oh, this is. A, I guess. Yep. Yeah. When the blossomed leaves dropped off and a little pumpkin began to grow in its place, the vine did everything it could for it. it uh, gave It just gave itself up to it and put all of its strength into it. After all, it was a pretty queer-looking pumpkin, though. It had to grow hanging down, not resting on anything. And after it started with a round head, like all the other pumpkins, its necks began to pull out and pull out till it looked like a gourd or a big pear. That's the way it looked in the fall, hanging from the vine on the fence. When the first light of frost came and killed the vine... It was the day when the farmer was gathering his pumpkins in the cornfield, and he just happened to remember the seeds he had planted in the home patch. He got out of his wagon to see what that had become of them. He was perfectly astonished to see the size of the good pumpkin. You could hardly get it into a bushel basket. And he gathered it and sent it to the county fair and took the first premium with it. How much was the premium? Asked the boy. He yawned. He had heard all of these facts so often before. And chapter three. Took the first premium at the county fair. It was 50 cents. But you see, the farmer had to pay $2 to get a chance to try for the premium at the fair. So it was some satisfaction. Anyway, he took the premium and tried to sell the pumpkin. When he couldn't, he brought it home and told his wife that they must have it for Thanksgiving. The boy had gathered the bad little pumpkin and kept it from being fed to the cow. It was so funny looking. The day before Thanksgiving, the farmer found it in the barn and he said, Oh there, here's that little fool pumpkin. Whatever it thinks it's a morning glory yet? And the boy said, Oh father, mayn't, mayn't I have it. Maintenance—that's a word I've not seen ever. M-A-Y-N apostrophe T. Maintenance. May not I have it? Why would you? Why would you abbreviate this? Oh, father, maintenance. I have it. That's a hard word to say. Maintenance. That's a. There's a lot of. There's a lot of. It like flows from like the back of the mouth to the nose through that word. Maintenance. Anyway, it's like maintenance, but it's maintenance. Anyway. And the father said, I guess so. What are you going to do with it? But the boy didn't tell because he was going to keep it for a surprise. Uh, As soon as his father went out of the barn, he picked up the bad little pumpkin by its long neck. And he kind of balanced it before him and he said, well, now I'm going to make a pumpkin glory out of you. Okay. Anyway, chapter four. Here's that little fool pumpkin, said the farmer. And when the bad little pumpkin heard that, all the seeds fairly rattled in it for joy. The boy took out his knife and the first thing the pumpkin knew he was cutting a kind of lid off the top. It was like getting stout, but the pumpkin didn't mind because it was just the same as war. Yeah, sure, yeah. The fucking pumpkin battalion of well, uh, let's see, this is late 1800s so this would have been like the fucking Spanish-American War. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, the French-American War? I don't know. It was a war of some kind. Um, and when the boy got the top off he poured all the seeds out and began to scrape the inside as thin as he could without breaking through it hurt awfully and nothing but the hope of being a pumpkin gory could have kept the little pumpkin quiet but it didn't say a word even after the boy had made a mouth for it with two rows of splendid teeth and it didn't cry either when it uh, the eyes he made for him uh, just winked at him with one of them and twisted its mouth to one side so as to let him know uh it was in uh it was in on the joke and the first thing it did uh, when it got turned up on its no on When it, uh, fucking shit. First thing it did when it got one was to turn up its nose at the good little pumpkin, which the boy's mother came into the barn to get. Show how it looked, said the boy. And Papa twisted his mouth and winked up. Yeah. And Papa twisted his mouth and winked with one eye and wrinkled his nose till the little girl begged him to stop. Then he went on. The boy hid the bad pumpkin behind him till his mother was gone, because he didn't want her in the the secret. Then he slipped into the house and put it under his bed gross he's pretty lonesome up there in the boy's room he slept in the garret and there was nothing but a broken furniture beside his bed but all day long he could smell the good little pumpkin boiling and boiling for pies and late at night after the boy got to sleep he could smell the hot pies when they came out of the oven they smelled splendid but the bad little pumpkin didn't have any of them one bit he said "Pooh! what's pump twenty pumpkin pies to one pumpkin glory um it ought to have said what are oughtn't it papa god damn it these fucking contractions asked the little girl it certainly ought said the papa but if nothing but its grammar had been bad, then there wouldn't have been much to complain about. I don't suppose it ever had um, heard much good grammar from the farmer's family, suggested the boys. Farmers always say cowcumbers instead of cucumbers. Oh, do tell us about the cowcumber and the bullcumber and the little calf calfcumbers, Papa. The little girl entreated and she clasped her hands to show how anxious she was. What? Leave off at the most exciting part of the pumpkin glory. The little girl saw what a mistake she had made. The boys the boy gave her one look and she cowered down into papa's lap and the papa went on it's fucking they're ragging on the bad grammar of of these fucking characters when they say things like maintenance and ought not and what wait what was it um 'oughtn't.' there you go 'Oughtn't,' papa god damn well they had an extra big thanksgiving at the farmers that day and lots of relations came out west the grandmother who was living with the farmer was getting pretty old Never year, till she thought she wasn't going to live very much longer, and so she wrote to the relations in Wisconsin and Everett, and if they expected to see her alive again, they'd better come this time and bring all their families. She kept doing it till she was about ninety, um, and just, and then she just concluded to live along, um, and not mind how old she was. But this was just before her 89th birthday, and she had drummed up so many sons and sons-in-laws and daughters and daughters-in-laws and grandsons and great-grandsons and granddaughters and great-granddaughters that the house was perfectly packed with them. They had to sleep on the floor, a good many of them, and you could hardly step for them. The boys slept in the barn, and they laughed and cut up the whole night without the roosters thought it was morning, and kept crowing till uh, they made their throats sore, and had to wear wet compresses around them every night for a week afterwards. Oh, those poor roosters. When the papa said anything like this to the children, they had a right to pound them. They were so anxious uh, to not have him stop, this time they didn't. They said, go on, go on, said the little girl, and then the tables. Tables? Well, I should think so. They got all the tables that were in the house upstairs and downstairs for dinner Thanksgiving Day. And they took the grandmother's work stand and put it at the head, and she sat down there, only she was so used uh, to knitting by the table that she kept looking for her knitting needles all through dinner, couldn't seem to remember what she was missing. The other end of the table was a carpenter's bench that they brought in out of the barn, and they put the youngest and funniest papa that had the table stretched from the kitchen into the dining room. Clear through uh, that out into the hall and across into the parlor. They hadn't tablecloths enough to go the whole length. And the end of the carpenter's bench, where the funniest Papa sat, was bare. And all throughout dinner time, he kept making fun. The vice was right at the corner when he got his help of Turkey. He printed it that it was so tough, he had to fasten the bone in the vice and cut the meat off with his fork like a draw shave. Okay, everybody knows what a draw shave is, right? That's something we're all super familiar with. Show of hands, show of hands. Yep, that's uh, that's everybody. Cool. Just, just making sure. I love that bit. That's one of my favorite bits. It was the drumstick, I suppose, Papa, said the boy. Turkey's drumstick is all full of little wooden splinters anyway. Is it? Maybe, maybe if you, like, grow up in a farm and, like, turkey gets, like, covered in splinters from being, like, a wild turkey? Maybe. I don't know. Seems like you would have cleaned the bird a bit better. Anyway. And what did the mama say? Asked the little girl. We'll never know, because that's... Uh, I guess we will know, but that's it's time for chapter... Fuck, what is this? Chapter... What is this, Four? Five? Next chapter. Caught his trousers on a shingle nail and stuck. Oh, she kept saying, Now you behave, and... Well, I should think you'd be ashamed, but the funniest papa didn't mind her a bit. Everybody laughed till they could hardly stand it. All this time, the boys were in the barn waiting for the second table. And playing around, the farmer's boy went up to his room over the wooden shed and got in at the garret window and brought out the pumpkin glory. Only he began to slip when he was coming down the roof, and he'd have slipped clear off if it hadn't caught um, his trouser on a shingle nail and stuck. It made a pretty bad terror, in the other, but the other boys pinned it up. Oh, God, excuse me. Sorry, that wouldn't show, And the pumpkin glory wasn't hurt a bit. They all said that it was about the best jack-o'-lantern they had almost ever saw, on account of the long neck there was to it. And they made a plan to stick the end of the neck into the top of the pump and uh, have fun hearing what the folks would say when they came out after dark and saw it all lit up. And then they noticed the pigeon at the corner of the barn and began to plague the pigeon. So, and so many of them got up on the pen that they broke the middle board off. And they didn't like to nail it on again because it was Thanksgiving and you must not hammer or anything. So they just stuck it up its place with a piece of wood against it and the boy said he would fix it in the morning. The grunt folks stayed so long at the table that it was nearly dark when the boys got to it. They would have been almost starved if the uh, farm boy hadn't brought out apples and donuts every little while. As it was, they were pretty hungry and began on the pumpkin pie at once, so as to keep eating the until uh, the mother and the other mothers that were helping could get some things out of the oven that had been keeping hot for the boy. The pie was so nice that they kept eating it all along. The mother told them about the good little pumpkin that it was made of and how the good little pumpkin had never had any wish from the time it was nothing but a sea except to grow up and to be made into pies. Need at Thanksgiving. So they all must try to be good to it and grow up and do likewise. We will bake you into pies and eat you at Thanksgiving, she told them. The boys didn't say anything because their mouths were so full. But they uh, looked at, to each other and winked their left eye. Only their left one. There were about 40 or 50 of them. And when they all winked with their left eyes, it made, uh, it made it so dark you could hardly see. The mother got the lamp, But the other mother saw what the boys were doing. And they just shook them till they opened their eyes and stopped their mischief. That doesn't make any sense, so. Show how they looked, said the boy. I can't show you how 50 boys looked, said the papa. But they looked a good deal like the pumpkin glory that was waiting quietly in the barn for them to get through. Come out and have fun with it. When they had all eaten so much they could hardly stand up, they got down from the table and grabbed their hats and started for the door. But they, hadn't, um, but they had to go out the back way because the table took up the front entry. And that gave the farm boys a chance to find a piece of candle that fit a uh, candle out in the kitchen and some matches, and they rushed into the barn. It was so dark there, they um, already they thought they had better light up the pumpkin glory and try it. They lit it up and it worked splendidly, but they forgot to put out the match. They caught some of the straw on the barn floor, and a little more, and it would have burnt down the barn. The boys stamped the fire out in about half a second, after all. Um, after that, they waited till it was dark outside, where they lit up the pumpkin glory again. Then they all bent down over to keep the wind from blowing the match anywhere, and pretty soon it was lit up, and the farmer's boy took the pumpkin glory by its long neck, stuck it to the pole in the hole, point in the hole to the top of the pump, and just then the funniest papa came around the corner of the woodhouse and said, "'What have you got there, boys? Jack O' lantern? "'Well, well, that's a un He came up and looked at the pumpkin glory." he bent back and he bent forward and he doubled down and straightened up and laughed till the boys thought he was going to kill himself they had all intended to burst into an Indian yell and dance around the pumpkin glory but the funniest papa said now all you fellas uh, keep still half a minute the next thing they knew he ran into the house and came out walking his wife before him with both of his hands over her eyes then the boys saw that he was going to have some fun with her and they kept as still as mice and waited till he walked her up to the pumpkin glory and was saying all this time now John if this is some of your fooling I'll give it to you when he got her close up, he took away his hands and she gave a kind of whoop and then began to laugh. Pumpkin Glory was so funny and to chase the funniest papa all around the yard to box his ears. And as soon as she had boxed them, she said, no, let's go in and send out the rest. In about a quarter of a second, all the other papas came out holding their hands over their other mother's eyes uh, until they got them up to the Pumpkin Glory. And then there was such a yelling and laughing and chasing and earboxing. You've never heard anything like. And all at once, the funniest papa hallooed, where's grandma? Grandma's got to see it. Grandma will enjoy it. This is grandma's kind of joke. Just the mothers all got around him and said uh, he shouldn't fool with grandma anyway. And that he wasn't going to. Uh, he was just going to bring her out and let her see. Uh, and his wife went along with him to watch that he didn't begin acting up. The grandmother has been sitting all alone in her room ever since dinner. Because she was always afraid somehow that if you enjoyed yourself it was a sign that you were going to suffer for it. She had enjoyed herself a good deal that day. She was feeling awful about it. When the funniest pop and the wife came in she said, What is it? What is it? Is the wild about up?" Well, you gotta wrap up Roam then or you'll catch death of cold running and then stop the rest with your pores all open. Yeah, that sounds like the kind of crazy shit Grandma would say. The funniest papa, uh, Papa's wife, she went up and kissed her and said, No, Grandmother, the world's all right. And just then she told her how, uh, just how it was and how they wanted her to come out and see the jack-o'-lantern just to please the children. She must have come anyway because it was the funniest jack o there ever was. And then she told her how the funniest papa had fooled her. And then how they got all the other papas to fool the other mothers. And they all had the greatest fun that you ever saw. All the time she kept putting on her things for her. And the grandmother seemed to get quite in the notion. She laughed a little. And they thought she was going to enjoy it as much as anybody can. They really did. And telling her... Um, Jesus. And telling her... Where was I? Sorry. I just saw the art of the pumpkin glory and it's fucking horrifying. So, where was I? How much they knew she would like it till they got her to the pump. Little Pumpkin Glory was feeling awfully proud and self-satisfied, for I'd never seen any flower or any vegetable treated with half so much as honor by human beings. It wasn't sure at first if it was very nice to be laughed at so much, but after a while it began to conclude that the Papas and the mamas were just laughing at the joke of the whole thing. When the old grandmother got up close, it thought it would do something extra to please her, or else the heat of the candle had dried up so that it cracked without intending to. Anyway, it tried to give a very broad grin and all of a sudden split its mouth from ear to ear. My sakes, it's coming alive! You didn't say had any ears before Papa. Sorry, it's the next chapter. That's why I said that. No, it had them behind, said the Papa, and the boy felt like giving him just one pound. But he thought he might stop the story, and so he let the Papa go on. As soon as the Grandmother saw it open its mouth, um, that way she just gave one scream. My sakes, it's coming alive! She threw up her arms, and she threw up her feet, as if the funniest Papa. And if the funniest Papa hadn't been there to catch her, and if there hadn't been 40 or 50 other sons and daughters and grandsons and daughters and great-grandsons and great-granddaughters, she very likely might have fallen. As it was, they piled around her and kept her up, but there were so many of them uh, they jostled the pump. The first thing the pumpkin glory knew it fell down and burst open, and the pigs that the boy had plagued um, and the pig that the boys had plagued, and they kept squealing all the time because it thought that the people had come out to feed it, knocked the loose board off its pen and flew out and gobbled the pumpkin glory up, candle and all. And that was the end of the proud little pumpkin glory. When the pig ate the candle looked like the magician when he was burning toe in his mouth, said the boy. Exactly, said the papa. The children were both silent for a moment. Then the boy said, story never had any moral, I believe, Papa. Not a bit, said the Papa. Unless, he added, The moral was that you better not be ambitious, unless you want to come to the sad end of this proud morning glory. Why, well, but the good little bump- pumpkin was seen up too, said the boy. That's true, said the, uh, the Papa acknowledged. Well, little girl, there's a great deal of difference between eaten by a person and eaten by pigs. All oh, the difference in the world, said the Papa. And he laughed, and ran out of the library before the boy could get at him. Interesting interesting that's that was quite a story I think that's the longest children's story we've read so far I hope you're all ready for some spooky shit next week cause it's gonna be proper spooky brand new show on Dibney Plus this is called let me just pull it up real quick cause I want to get the name of it right cause I thought it was I thought it was a it was a fun new show um it's loading it's loading Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. This is a docu-series of sorts narrated by Josh Gad who makes the show very cozy in his um in his delivery. He does a he does a very like kind of soft spoken Josh Gad um style narration and it's and it's very comforting. Um it is basically about the keepers and the animals they take care of in the Animal Kingdom. And it focuses on on different things like um uh, there was a there's a chicken that needed to go in for surgery. There was a a giraffe that needed a hoof trimmed and they were trying to manage that. there's a there was an elephant with a with a weird hole in its mouth and they were checking that out. Um, and then there was the Imagineers who were installing like a tree that act as um like sunset lighting for uh, for the animals and so people could see them like at night. And I thought it was I thought it was pretty good um it's definitely not like gonna blow your mind with like the magic of disney but i think it is nice to know that um they really do go above and beyond to take care of their animals because um, i'm sitting there watching them do like pretty intensive surgery on a chicken and i'm going you can just get a new chicken but, you know, it's because of the relationship they have with Popcorn. And yes, the chicken's name is Popcorn. And how how much they they care, you know, um, that sets it sets it above and beyond. So You gotta you gotta admire that. Being said, you could just get a new chicken, but I know, I know, it's it seems it's heartless of me. So yeah, but it's it's a it's a pretty good show. And um I wanted to I wanted to give a nod to that. Also, while we're talking about shows I haven't seen it yet, but I'm very excited about it. There is a brand new season of The Great British Bacon Show on Netflix that has started to land. New episodes every week. I don't know what day. Um, but that has begun. And um, I think next week we get uh, the third season of Carmen Sandiego on Netflix. So I'm just fucking hyped as hell. Like, all these all these shows are, are coming back. And there's, like, new fun, new fun things to watch. And I'm very excited about it, so I wanted to wanted to mention those as well let's move on to the next thing in the podcast Thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode of the Going Up Cast. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I. I know we only did two children's stories this week, but in my defense, the second story, the Pumpkin Glory, was long. It was a long one. It was it was a lengthy story. I am going to do a, a like a whole month of spooky spookiness for October. Um, you know, Edgar Allan Poe, H. P. Lovecraft. Um, I even might read a couple of scary stories to tell in the dark, but those will be website exclusives because I can't put them in the podcast because they're not public domain. Anyway, I hope you all have a wonderful week and are staying safe out there. Happy fall, and I'll see you all next week. Have a good one, everyone.